Hi guys and welcome to the latest podcast from the In Conversation series with Film Ireland. I'm Mark Sheridan, this is the first podcast I'll be taking over on this side of things. And today we are talking to Noel Quinn, who is a, a boom up and, and, and sound person extraordinaire. Hello Noel. Hello Mark, how are you? <laughs> well, how would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? I'm basically a sound person. So sound is still, you know, uh, I mean, I've been in it since 1967. I've had quite a lot of experience, mostly in feature. Uh, so basically, for me, I'm passionate about sound. I'm very, very passionate about sound. And how do we achieve that? How do we get sound on a film set? How do we get sound for a documentary, a short, whatever way you want to look at it? Uh, we First of all, I think for me personally, there has to be, you have to be a little bit assertive. Not over-assertive, that's not going to get you anywhere. You've got to be understanding. Uh, You've got to be aware of what goes on on the set. Uh, In terms of pre-production, really important. It's lovely if you can see the locations with the director and any other crew members if needs be. Uh, How much control have we got on this location? Uh, What are we dealing with in this location? Uh, Have we got control of people around us? Have we got control of air conditioning? Have we got control of whatever? Okay, that's number one. Number two, the type of sets we're going to work in, whether it be a set external, exterior and we built an interior in studio. In most of those cases, normally what would happen is that we'd have an outside door with a frame around it and one or two bricks just to give us that shot looking back into the hallway or whatever. But if the, can you imagine if the house is up on a riser? Uh, it was a concrete floor. We have a wooden floor if it's in studio. So we have to make sure that that's padded down so it's going to sound like concrete and not sound like wood. This is getting rid of all the, the uh, problems that we might have on, on, on a set. The other thing, too, is that if I could just say again on pre in terms of uh, there's situations or I read through a script, I'll have a quick look at it. Then I want to meet the director. We'll have a chat. We'll get, we always get that opportunity of meeting a director and having a chat. He or she will pass on his concerns or her concerns to me and likewise I pass on my concerns to them and uh, if it's anything to do with radio mics uh, I am then going to go after that meeting I'm going to go and chat to the uh, wardrobe designer to see if they could give me any suitable clothes for that particular day if it's one of those days that we have to use radio mics yeah I just actually because I, I want to get into a lot of that stuff but I think what's important for people who are, who are listening to this is and it's what I'm hoping to be able to get through with you today is that you're how you look at a film and how you see it is there's a whole different viewpoint that has to come that maybe some people aren't so used to doing. Like when they come to it, a lot of people think, how visually how am I going to show this? What am I going to do? And they look at the sets, even when they're looking at costume and everything, they're not taking into account the effect that this has on the sound. So I actually really, we'll, we'll probably look at each kind of separate section from that actually and have a little chat about it because I think there's probably some very useful advice you can actually give to people of all departments. But just before we get into that then, what just in in like as short as a, as a version we can like what got you what, what was your path to sound how did you get towards there how did i get into sound yeah i i was probably really lucky i, I worked in the adelphi cinema in 1966 and i was told there was a job going out in armor studios i didn't even know what armor studios was i was going to become a draft person believe it or not. really yeah um so what happened is anyhow i went out Again, I met the head of the sound department. There was a John Houston film on there, uh, Simple Davy. And uh, what happened is the head of the department had to go for a, a meeting. Uh, he said that, look, Paddy, who was a projectionist out there, would show you how to, what you'd be using if you do get the job, which happened to be a mechanical boom 
for with a mic on the end. That's for anybody who doesn't know what it is. It's an actual mechanical device that you can swing a microphone around the heads of people on a film set. So kind of like a crane? Like this yeah, like a crane, happen- but okay, it's yeah. actually, you'd probably see mostly studios would have them. Yeah, so you'd absolutely. see them on often talk shows or you would have seen them on the late, late, not anymore. They use poles now. But what happened was the, um, when he came back from the meeting, I happened to be on it. So he said, when can you start? So that's how I got my first job. I didn't even know interview. That was it. I was really lucky because day one, he, when I joined there, he actually sent me out to Dunkery where John Houston was shooting at the time. So I was attached to the sound department. That was going to be my area. It was just brilliant. It was just unbelievable. I just what is this? Where am I? Magic. And had you had like any kind of interest in sound before though? Or... No, I hadn't. No, it's so you funny. I hadn't. I just sort of practice. I got sucked into this. Uh, you know what I mean? Very, very quickly. Uh, there was four in the sound department at that stage. Um, there was. I suddenly went. Oh my, this is really interesting. What are they doing? What sort of microphones they had? Uh, their own mixers that they had at that stage. And I was. I'm one of those people. Like, I love looking at electronic devices. I'm really interested in electronic devices. I think I remember my old man being really disgusted when he gave me a transfer for Christmas and I took it apart to see how, I, how it worked. So I put it back together again. So I, that did interest me, that sort of side of things. But also then how do they capture sound? Because it was something I never really considered, never thought about it. Never. Again, it would have been picture and, you know, actors and whatever else. And, you know, this is great. And, in fact, I, probably like a lot of people, I thought they'd just use one camera and just shot it as it went. <laughs> we didn't cut, we didn't use multi-cameras or whatever. And it built up from there. When I finished that film, they actually sent me to the editing room, then to post-production. Uh, I was sent to every department that was in there, which was carpentry, tailoring, uh, wardrobe department, makeup department, hairdressing, I, camera department. I went to every department that was there and learned. I got, I was 17 at the time. I was, it was still that era, uh, you know, early 60s, middle 60s. Uh, I still got a few clips on the year. Uh, to learn but it, it gave me appreciation not only that we had a dubbing suite and in the dubbing suite this is where we'd revoice uh, we do effects like uh, deliverance for instance we built a water tank in there put a, an aluminium and a wooden so boat the in there Bowman came in to deliverance you know post-sync revoicing uh, probably the best person to revoice is Gene Wilder where we're at it the quickest one I've ever seen so you're learning your trade as you go this is to do with sound this is what happens this is how we, we revoice something why is it really why are we going into a dead boot you know why are we do, we're recording the sound in there and then sometimes we're recording it outside of that if it's in a room, we're outside because there's a bit of live and a bit of reflected sounds. You go into the boot because if you're outside, there's no reflections. So you're learning as you go. Needless to say, I, I, I got involved in my own films. I mean, it, with, with the crew, I ended up being a boom swinger. Uh, and I learned very quickly on the set. And also, you know, I never wore headphones. I didn't have a monitor. I had to learn what all the lenses were, which is great, uh, from a camera point of view. And even to this day, even if I go out on second unit on Vikings, you'll find a lot of the lads who give me a, a call for the lens size. And so, I don't yeah, ask them. So for people who are trying to... Uh to follow this if you're a little less experienced so I think what Noel's trying to say is so if the, the camera the cinematographer puts maybe a 50 mil on the camera which would be maybe for your medium close-ups Noel would have a good sense of how close he can get in with that boom without having to look through the monitor the, the viewfinder yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. It, it, it just you, you know what the frame is at a given distance and I think that's that was a great learning tool you can imagine eye lines 
not being in our lines, working opposite key lights, because there's always a main source of light, we'd come in from the opposite side. I was also very lucky because I was brought up in an era that it was very hard lighting. So what would happen is that to get a boom in, they actually lit with corridors for the boom to get travel down. Okay. So, but, but that was a communication with a, a DOP, and he or she would come to you. I remember, I think the first time when I was asked that I want a Charlie bar, I had a clue, which is a little sliver piece of wood just to take a shadow off the edge of a, a light, cut down the light a bit on the edge of it you know I had a little shadow in a corner or something just to take that off so you learn all these arts and and things to do and things to control I suddenly I mean even just when I put on headphones then and start listening to people how to balance out people uh, when you look at people on a set who's close to camera who's far away who's louder who's weaker can we balance out the mic the particular mic we have it's very simplistic in terms of sound in one sense if you've got control a reasonable amount of control Basically, what it comes down to, depending on the location you're in, the actors you're working with, it's then choice of microphone, and then it's placing that microphone to get the best out of that situation. And very old-fashioned, I'm afraid, I hate radio mics. No, I but that, that, I think that that's great, because I think what, what I'd love to, you know, what you were saying in, in Ardmore, I think you were mentioning, it's the fact that there was sort of a mutual respect between the camera department and the sound department. There's an understanding that we're all working in this together and having to accommodate each other perhaps to some extent yeah i think this is this is one of the biggest that was one of the biggest things that i learned and i that's why i was happy i think i started in that area because one thing is that you have there is a lot of teamwork there's communication there's uh, a compromise in a lot of situations but as we progressed and got into the 90s and up around the 90s starting to get to the middle 90s suddenly you're finding you're getting well this is the camera department this is what the way we're shooting and you're saying but hang on we've got something but haven't you got radio mics you can put on people you know to, to put a radio mic on something is like saying well I'll put a filter in front of your camera you don't particularly like because that's what it's like using radio mics control you you don't control them there's no reason why we can't light a set to be able to get a microphone in we don't do it for fun we try to get the best quality we can other things about radio mics is if you actually look at the size of a personal mic that people wear and look at the head of it. It'll cost you about 250 300 You'll go, hey, you pay 700 quid for some of them. But have a look at one of the other mics, a boom mic above your head. You can pay up to five grand for one of those. So what, what's going to be better quality? There's a, there's a reason. Yeah. And can I just I'll, go I'll for it. even bring that a little further? If you were to get some of the articles for MASH, because uh, Altman shot MASH, that was the first one. And read the articles that the, the crew, the sound crew, talked about and said, what a great idea. We can put everything, everybody on a personal microphone. McCabe and Mrs. Miller, I can't remember. I, I was lucky I had the pleasure of working with him here on a, on a film called Images, and um, he didn't want to use personal mics, I'm delighted. But uh, you find after doing about three films like this, the sound department wrote a beautiful article about how it was so much better and quality-wise to use one mic on the set yeah. <laughs> only. But I think, it, and that's an interesting thing as well, though, we'll be talking about just focus, though, and uh, discipline as well. But in the same way that if I was recording a scene with five cameras, um, I, I would question about whether I'd be getting five good cameras worth of footage. And with that one camera, would I actually getting a clearly focused, you know, I know exactly what I'm capturing that. And I think maybe is it something similar with sound? Yeah, I think it's very, in sound for me, if I can relate a lot of things back to camera, because everybody seems to know how to record sound. Well, no, I shouldn't say they know how to record sound. They know how we should go about it. Oh, you could use this. Oh, you could do that. Can you not use a longer mic? My reply to that is, can we not use a longer lens and go back further when the cameras were noisy? Uh, could we not use, you know, 
Look, the thing about it is that if I walk into a room and somebody says, oh, we're really sorry about this location, there's a lot of traffic here. I don't see the traffic, but I hear it. That becomes a hindrance. You can imagine. It's quite possible that may have to be revoiced. That, to me, is like shooting a picture out of focus. You wouldn't fancy that at all. Or you have streamers hanging down in the way all over the place. You wouldn't like that either. Uh, so that, to me, is really important that you get in there. You, you've got to relate it back to camera because a lot of people don't understand it. And sometimes what happens is the assertiveness comes because you, you've got to fight. You've got to fight for sound. Listen, it's not my film. I just feel so sorry for a director where he or she has got a really good performance out there and I can capture that performance given half a chance. Now, what I don't want to be told is, oh, well, this is how we're lighting it. I, I will fight up against that. Yeah. It's t- telling me how I should light. How, oh, we can't light it any other way. Listen, I grew up with lighting. I was taught how to light. So it, with direct lights, we, we have a lot softer lights now. So to be told that I need two keys or I need a key right behind the camera so you can't get the boom in and they can't wash the wall. If you can't wash the wall, you can't light. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, and so, there's an onus on the people to take some responsibility. Exactly, you have to. Yeah, I think you have to. In the same it, way I would look at you when you're on film set and still expect you to be able to get me the audio from a certain scene. You can't just kind of go, well, I don't hold the boom that way. So, you <laughs> yeah, know. Exactly. I think it's the same sort of deal. And, and so we have to, you know, and I mean, I, I've done it. I mean, I've been handed the meter a couple of times and a couple of times I've taken the meter and said, here, I lied. <laughs> Sometimes you do get annoyed at that because you, you, you feel, you know, I, I, you know, director has, has given us this performance. Why aren't we capturing it? We're wasting it. We're losing it. And just to take that one little step further sometimes, what happens is sometimes you get the, uh, it's like a witch hunt. You know what I mean? Somebody starts. It could be a director. It could be a first, whatever. Oh, for Christ's sake, it's sound again. Always holding the production up. You know, why are we waiting for a plane? For I need to shoot There now. does tend to be an eye roll that, that, say, the cinematographer wouldn't get if he put his hand up. Yeah, and, and what happens is it, it gets out of hand then. Everybody starts jumping on the bandwagon. So you really have to make a stance at that time and, and call it. And I call it as it is. I don't have a problem at all. But yeah, actually, and that, that's it's because like our, our listeners would be a mixture of sound people and also film people. But I think, particularly in the kind of climate we're working on, like you've worked with, well, like as you said, you, you were involved in Deliverance, but you've worked with Neil Jordan, Jim Sheridan, you've done, but also a lot of smaller productions as well. Oh. And the way the film industry is at the moment, particularly in Ireland, a lot of things are being made for a lot less. And I think quite often we can be very quick to blame bad sound in our films just due to a lack of budget. And I think you'd be the first person to say that's not an excuse that really flies anymore. I, or no, ever, I, probably. I think in terms of small budget films, I, I, that's for sure. I, it's always quite amazing that when, when people call up looking for sound people, you know what I mean? And sometimes because I deal with a lot of students as well, a lot of people would come through you to ring you to find out who's available. You thought, well, look, it's a feature. How many people have you got? You've got four people, you've got four dialogue. That's the most you're going to have at any given time. Uh, and then that'll come down to two at certain times. But you need a boom swinger. Oh, I don't need it. I, I, I don't want a boom swinger. Oh, yeah. Well, hang on, it's it's not for you to say. It's yeah. like saying again, I don't need a focus puller. I don't need a camera. <laughs> yeah, you're you're you know nowadays with digital cameras, all you have to do is somebody to change uh, you know their their weight from foot to foot, and they're out of focus. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So so it's and you don't have a focus puller, an operator would go, you know. It drive you mad, insane. You need one. Likewise, you need a boom operator as well. He or she knows how to get a mic in there and pull out that stuff. It's 
And also the locations. You really got to see those locations. The, the sound person, camera person, elder, basically all heads of department that are going to be on that shoot should really see the location you're in. And it's definitely not a location for a Sunday or a Monday. It's on a rush time. When are you going to shoot? Monday mornings. No point in going and looking at it on a Sunday morning. So this is really, it's, and a lot of this thing comes down to prep. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest lesson that we all kind of fail on, regardless of budget, actually, because I think big budget films have make the same errors on that kind of thing, that it is actually... If you, regardless of how much money you have for the actual shoot days, if you can't take that bit of time in advance and give people like yourself and your cinematographers a chance to actually feel that place, because everywhere is different, everywhere sounds different, you know. Exactly. What yeah. looks or sounds fine to your ear, but certainly not to your sound person. And that's why you have them. That's why they're there on your crew. They're there to help you and enhance your film. Exactly. It's, it's, it's certainly not to hinder you, that's for sure. I think you'll find us, you know, if you... <laughs> We just need a little bit, like most people, as well, TLC. But no, we just need a bit of cooperation. And I think we'll give you more than what you would bargain for. I think you'd be surprised at what you hear. Uh, can I use one example? And Go ahead, one yeah. thing that sticks in my mind, and I can nearly name a lot of films that have the same problem. I want to do, we're shooting an emotional scene. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing the makeup is in there, dropping in stuff into the eyes, the tears are rolling down, and I'm going to talk about how much I miss her, and it sounds exactly the way I'm talking now, but I really miss you, I don't particularly want to leave you, and this is terrible. It sounds crap, basically, it's it's dead, it's mm. flat. But what you're saying to a director, would you not just listen to it on headphones? You need to hear the emotional. You should actually be hearing it in the voice. You should be able to pick it. You should be able to feel it. Uh, and if you can't feel it, and I mean by that's listening to it, uh, it's not happening. It's not going to happen for your audience. You're right. You know, that's the thing, because uh, I was talking to you briefly beforehand that Rob Moore, one of your sort of uh, protégés, shall we call him, <laughs> did the sound on my first feature film. And I'd, I've had it actually before on other shorts from other good soundmen and not from the other, like the people who put the headphones on my head and actually said, have a listen. And yeah. even actually, because sometimes I might have to make a decision that say the noise from the traffic, we're going to live with it. But they wanted me, in the same way that the cameraman would want me to look through at the monitor, they're saying, have a listen to that, and are you sure? Because it sounds so different. You cannot, you know, for, especially for early first-time directors, I would say you cannot, you know, assume. For early first-time directors, I think it's so important. I mean, even, I was running a course the other day, and one of the girls said, I really want to know, understand more about sound. When she put on the headphones, she was picking things way ahead of me. <laughs> Do you not hear that? Oh, I don't, <laughs> don't get to hear what's But it changes room. your world. It focuses. Yeah, it does. It brings your, your focus. And not only that, it helps us. Do you want a few tips? <laughs> Go, no, do, please. <laughs> Let's say, okay, I'm working with a director. We're, we, you know, we get on reasonably well, but what happens is I know he's on the press. Now, this is something I think is also important. You have to have a certain amount, you have to have respect, and that's number one. And also you have to have an understanding. Because if you're dealing with, it, with say, a director shooting in Europe with American money, he's be lucky to get, and it's a six-day six week shoot, he or she will be lucky to be getting three hours sleep a night. So what happens is they're going to be very tired because whenever they finish shooting here, goes home, America's just opened up and all the execs wants to talk and talk about what he's just shot and what's coming up and so on and so forth. So you've got to understand there's a tremendous amount of pressure there. Also, what happened the day before, we lost two scenes because of weather, whatever, it just got too much. So he's even under more pressure. So it's no point in you getting up there and battling his head and or knocking it in. You have to approach him with, I suppose, a certain amount respect and say look we do have a problem here but here's a way of solving it or and one thing that's really again is really important as well a lot of people think we don't have any knowledge of filmmaking right to be a, a sound recordist 
or to work in the sound department, you've got to understand editing, number one. You've got to, outside of the camera and camera lenses and sizes, the coverage. That's what editing is all about. The audio, how it's going to be laid up. So you have a solution. I go to a director sometimes and say, okay, listen, we had a bit of a problem on that line. Are you going to use a close-up on this or are you going to leave it on that medium? No, I'm going to be definitely in a close-up. We'll move on. And again, you're giving them that option. I'm not saying, oh, I had a problem sound-wise. Uh, we, we, we have to shoot it again. Yeah. I've got, I've got to just say where the problem is. It could have been one line. It's explaining and understanding. Communica- exactly. I get, like, and I know it sounds like such an obvious thing to say, but really communication is where all this stuff seems to come down to like... I'm glad you mentioned communication because I'm so disappointed in so many films how lack of a, uh, communication there has been. Yeah, and uh, actually, that's because I know I, I want to let you run on that one because like, I think it's an important one. But I, I think, like you said earlier on, there's this terrible kind of tendency to the eye rolls of presuming that sound are being a little bit difficult about things. And I think what we're trying to get across here is for everyone when you're making your films that every single person on that set, whether they're the script continuity person, whether they're makeup costume, whether they're sound... They are all there to try and bring their particular expertise to make the film the best. And of course, directors and cinematographers and other people have their own pressures and that can can make things tense. But everyone has to come with the understanding that you would not be saying that to me for any reason other than to try and make your film better. Exactly. I think that's the thing. I think, uh, you know, it's been said so many times that there's more than just one person makes a film. And I think that's so true. And everybody's got a lot to contribute to make that film and to make it work. Okay, at times we're all going to lose. Every one of us are going to lose at different times, depending on the pressure, the weather, whatever. Uh, uh, You know what I mean? I I heard something, I was chatting to a very good friend of mine who's a DOP uh, there recently, and he was saying, you know, it's funny now, he said, nowadays if I work on a shoot, I walk into a room, how much available light have I got? How much can I add to this to make it work? Whereas before we'd be starting from scratch, basically, no matter what was outside the window. So you can see where it's come to now for everybody. So there is pressure on everybody. Um, but again, we uh, uh, we can make this work given a little bit of time and a little bit of, uh, okay. <laughs> I'd say a little bit of time. And I, when I mentioned time, it's suddenly tweaked. Okay. One thing that's really important, it doesn't solve all your problems. I don't think this is going to work for every scene when I tell you this. One thing that we have a tendency to do, I work in an area that I'm, I'm not overly, well, I say, let's say I'm 60 70% happy with what I've got. I really like to be 80. I'd love to be 100. That's not always going to be possible. We strive for 100. So what I'll tend to do, maybe after the scene is finished, just because of the background noise, I'll pull the artist away as soon as the, the, the scene is finished and just do a sound only of all that dialogue. Microphone roughly in the same place, but it could be around a corner where it's a little bit quieter. Uh, and what happens is the sound dubbing editor, he or she can pull out various lines and fit them in. Uh, what I hate to hear is we don't have time for that. Do it at lunchtime. But hang on, this is the first scene in the morning. It's been an emotional scene. We're going to a comedy scene before lunch. I'll never get the back there. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that that sticks in my thing. The Plus other thing particularly too, actually on that one though as well, because say if there's another scene happening on, there's always an element, of, especially if they're moving to a different room or setup, that it's not even inconvenience feel. It's it's more perceived yeah. inconvenience than an actual reality. Exactly. So so you know, <laughs> give us the time. You know what I mean? We're we're all in the same boat. I think it's really important that we do have a block through before when we start a new scene. So what happens? A director. I would be normally in most cases. Uh, you know, it, it'll happen where you know director will have his artist on the floor at if we start at eight let's say and he or she will take 15 minutes with possibly their DOP because some directors like their DOP and what will happen is rehearse 
for 15 minutes, then call in the heads of the department, have a look, show us what the rehearsal, and also show us the coverage. They don't say anything. It's just visually using our hands. They wide shot, medium shot, close-ups. Everybody happy? Everybody seeing it? Yeah, everybody seeing it. Everybody disappears. Okay, how long? Then the next question is, how long is it going to take to light? It's going to take an hour and a half. Okay, I want the actors back on the set in less than half an hour. That's passed on to the second assistant. Artists go off. Lighting moves in, usually first, because there's lights to be put up and some of them are to be strung up on the ceiling. Health and safety nowadays. <laughs> and so what happens is... Uh, and then camera comes in and moves. But sound can't walk away and go out and say, that's great, we're not going to do anything till the artists arrive back. We've got to be on the set. We watch where all lights go. Have we got problems? Can we get a boom in there? Can we solve a few shadow problems on the way? Now, what I don't expect is that if I come in late and you've already pre-lit a room or, you know, I, I, I wasn't in in time, they can't very well start putting out fridges again and getting up with the light, and they won't do it. Yeah. So we've got to be there. One of us has to be in that, working it out all the time, working out where the positions we come from. It's something that I'm really strong about, and that's why rehearsals are very important to me. We, ha- we can't just think of position number one. We've got to think of basic three basic positions for ourselves to work in. One comfortable, half circle. If you like, you're putting yourself at odds. Three or four people you can handle well. Two or three you're going to put a strain on. And then you're going to, the next one is you put a strain on to try and get everyone. Yeah. But that's far as the course. We're all in the same boat. It's not as if, oh, God help me, I'm the only one doing this. There's other people doing other shit. <laughs> but it is, like, you're right, because it, it, it's taking the responsibility of your own department. Um, and which, again, is what you'd expect from any department. Like when you go on set, say, for the first day, because I presume the relationships are the same regardless of the budget of the film. Like... Do you go straight over to the cinematographer? Or like, how do you kind of approach those relationships? I think in, in my situation, I'm one of those people anyhow. Some people I'm going to know, some people I'm not. And I'll go and introduce myself and say, well, I'm there for what I do. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's like an army anyhow, or any of the forces, in that we all get on reasonably well together. Uh, okay, we can all have bad days. We can all get tired some days. But, but overall, we get on reasonably well. The other thing, too, is that I think, again, I'll take it from my own department and, and certainly from a boomstring point of view that if you that's the guy that operates the mic uh, you can imagine on day one shot one an operator he or she are still settling a little bit so you do a rehearsal or two and this will go for you know quite a few scenes throughout the whole shoot when you do a rehearsal or two play a little looser because what happens is everybody's just feeling it what will happen is you drop the bike in where you think roughly it should be and what happens is everybody starts especially nowadays with more, oh the boom's in the boom's in the boom's yeah. in yeah naturally Give it time. By the time you get to the first take, everything will be more or less... I guarantee you, if you get to take three, that's it. Then you go downhill. But <laughs> you, you, you can pick it at that point. The other thing I don't buy, and I, I you know, if, if there's a problem and you create it, you must call it. Yeah. And that's number one. Number two, if anybody else makes a mistake... They don't blame anyone else. And that's one big problem that I learned very early on when we had no monitors, that you, a camera operator, he or she, wouldn't want to take the hit anymore, and you get the blame for it. So I have, in the past, uh, on two different occasions, I've offered to pay for the processing. Just because so I was footage. guaranteed that I, I, the frame was wrong. And you can imagine the shit that that carried initially but after rushes no more problems there it's a good lesson though to ask people to actually take ownership for this because i think on a film set and that actually goes for the director all the way down actually it's only when things aren't working it's actually being the the person strong enough to actually say okay my bad on that one exactly you know and And not having to do a witch hunt because that's what i think that creates more negativity 
than you know actually just people being straight up and actually just saying my bad let's go again I agree I think that you know it's nice when people do stand up and say sorry my fault but but nowadays with monitors everybody seems to jump on the oh the boom's in and so sometimes you'll find that it's hang on guys did we do a reframe oh sorry we did yeah <laughs> yeah actually yeah. that, that so is something boom that in. You tends to happen quite a lot actually where the director is like sitting over the cinematographer's shoulder and they kind of just a little nudge that, that, that frame up a little bit or something like yeah. that and the communication isn't there throughout and actually it was a good point when you were saying about the blocking and the rehearsal I think there can be a lack of appreciation that's say in that first take the same way that the actors are finding the scene the same way that the cameraman if it, especially if it's handheld is finding that movement and motion you know and they're adjusting to it the sound man is also doing that or same person you know and so yeah. in that same way yeah you're discovering where the it best, is yeah how do we how do we make this it's like the jigsaw putting it together we're all trying to get it better and better and better so there needs to be that appreciation and actually that allowing that because it is something that no one seems to complain about the camera department having that because even you know camera might decide I want to show that wall that originally we hadn't planned to and people adapt to that so it's just an understanding that you need to give a bit of that freedom yeah. to actually get the very best out of it uh, exactly I think that's that's probably it you were right in what you say and I think it's 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 understanding that and getting what we can the best out of it um, communication as I said I think is really really important it's 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 a big thing on the film set for everyone and the other thing too is props you know it's a it, props department are so I mean I'm, I'm amazed nowadays certainly over the last two or three years that props seems have gone to the wall people just seem to be picking stuff off tables and moving it I mean ours was instant dismissal if you were caught moving a props you know without asking for it and that wasn't a union thing there was that as well but <laughs> but uh, so 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 that's something that I I find really for me, anyhow, when I work on a set, is to be respectful of everybody's area. If you're going to move something, ask. Yeah. Who, 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 who's responsible? Ask them. Or say, do you mind if I move it? I'll remind you to put it back. And you'll find that you'll build up a rapport with the person eventually. They'll say, yeah, move whatever you want and put it back, you know, as long as you... And I'll always say, I put it back. Again, respecting yeah. other people's yeah. departments they, and boundaries. Because they end up getting the brunt for it then, you know, and not you. Um if I come into shot, if I think I've, I've dropped the mic into shot or clipped a corner, I'll call it. Yeah. It's the first thing, that, oh, oh, really. I don't have that problem at all. But I want people to call it when it goes the other way. I think the other thing, too, is sometimes we get into, um, can we, like, say, for argument's sake, another thing for me is we say your performance level or my performance level is going to be high level. Because we're in a noisy environment. So one thing I'd, I'd love to have for the rehearsal is to, if we've got a lot of extras to create that noise to give the artist that sort of level they're going to be working on. Yeah. And again, you having the headphones is a good plus. So what happens is uh, we can get him or her up to that level. And then for the take, we drop that out and we'll put it, you know, we'll record it and make sure it stays at that level. On condition. And I've been caught a couple of times, and I, this is another side of it, where in track laying, they put it back in the way we were going to do it initially. I've had one or two films where I couldn't believe what they did, you know, with the crowd and held the crowd right down. So it sounds like this guy. Yeah, said, no, it's an gentlemen. interesting challenge, isn't it? Because on film sets, again, it's one of those things that, well, you never think about any of these problems until you're actually doing them on set. But say if it's a scene in a club or even in a cafe or whatever it yeah. is, when you have those noises trying to get the actor's volume to a reasonable thing. And again, 
that's where your sound department is so important because they are the people who will be best equipped to tell you whether that sounds natural or not. Because, of course, actors can get conscious. They feel they're talking too loud or not. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You, know, you need yeah. someone who can actually give the nod and say, no, you know what? You're, you're hitting the right spot. It gives them the comfort and freedom to be able to continue that performance. I think that you're right in that. That's number one. While you're on that about in terms of giving the actor comfort for, for what he or she and the way they're, they're either projecting out those particular lines or saying those lines is if they're actually speaking with a slight foreign lilt or you know put on an English or a German accent or something like that what happens is that if they again if they, they're embarrassed about it they'll actually drop their level so it's trying to encourage them to have the gotcha. other little tips that you've got to think about that you've got to help with because sometimes it, it is you, you, as I mentioned before about respect for other people on the crew so we respect the director what he or she are doing and what happens is we're, we're into a, a stage of doing a performance and it's not happening we've gone five takes the performance and not coming out on one of the actors. So what happens is you're aware of this. We have worked together possibly, or maybe even not. I'll still do it. And I, I'll call it after the fifth one, maybe, or fourth, depends on what the pressure is on the day, and just say, sorry, I had a problem. Now, in most cases, you've tweaked what I've done. I haven't had a problem. But what happens is you might give me a slight bollocking over that. And what happens is and say it's the best performance we had all day. And uh, nothing happened. It was a lie. Uh, and what happens is uh, hopefully the next take we get that what we were looking for. So we do have, and I'm not the only one. I mean, camera will do the same. You know, we, one of us will take the the hit and say, okay, go for it. Uh, just to try and help. And that again seals friendships at seals, you know, a better understanding of one another. Uh, other things that, um, questions that I've been asked in <laughs> traveling through life, because I've lectured quite a bit as well, is, uh, and I always had film sh- schools, I had students out with me on shoots. And one of them, I remember at one stage, the um, art department came up and said, do you mind if we run a horse and cart through this? <laughs> and we were already re- got to take three. And I said, yes. And they, 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 I remember the student at the time said, I don't believe this now. And I said, well, first of all, you've got to take it that it's a one-off shot. We're not intercutting. That's number one. And that helps a lot. And number two, she's right. It looks bare. It looks nothing. So it's no point. (laughs) I could say no, but why would I do that? Let's make it work for us all. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that's the thing as well, isn't it? With the compromise, because you're understanding that that's going to make the shot better, which will make the film better. And that in the same way, if sound were to say, you know, if you could tighten that shot by a small bit, I'll be able to get that boom right in over that person's head and I'll get you great sound. And it's understanding that, you know, you're, you're not taking away from the shot. You're enhancing the film. I think this is, yeah, I think this is, this is one thing. This is something that we'll ask on, you know, numerous occasions sometimes. It, it also depends on the background we're dealing with, but we'll ask for those. Could you tighten up? Is it possible? Do we have to use two cameras here? I'll tell you what, if you get what you want, are you happy to drop the wide one and give us the, whatever way it is, you know? So you just one camera and one shot, so we get in there a bit tighter and get that dialogue. You know, there's there's a lot of overlaps. Overlaps, a lot of people think in terms of dialogue and anybody starting off that overlaps. Uh, first of all, if you don't understand what the problem is with overlaps is when you're doing coverage between close-ups or medium shots of, say, of one person and then reversing for the other. If they overlap each other, normally the other person would be off mic. This is an easy problem to solve in the sound department. A lot of people think it's a sound problem. It's not. We just put up two mics and we've covered both sides. But you let the director make the director aware of where those overlaps are coming because they might want to cut in editing. It's where they're going to cut. And you can get very stuck with that. I think, again, everything you're bringing up on set and here in this podcast is a lot of the problems that sound can have on set are only going to become apparent to everyone else, or particularly the director and the editor, in post. And so unfortunately you can ignore those things as much as you want on set but the reality is 
later on you'll have no way of fixing this and editing with that with the overlaps can be a disaster if you don't have the coverage on the other voices because it could be a beautiful thing to have that very naturalistic way people sometimes talk over each other but if you can't use it or if that person's totally off mic you end up in serious trouble. You might not have a shot at all. Exactly. And and the other thing too is, oh, you, I, I'd love to be on that person for that line or on that person for that. I can't. I have to choose. So there's a number of reasons of why you keep mentioning it to a director. And then there's a, the other side of the coin too where sometimes there's an argument and it actually has better energy if you let it happen as long as the a director is aware and happy to do that. And most of them, I guarantee, would be happy to, and say, okay, well, I'll just make sure i got enough coverage. We'll cover it any way we can to make sure I can pop in and out. You know, and then, then you might see maybe two or three cameras sometimes in those situations um, I've certainly been there uh, I, yeah I mean there's so much uh, what else can I say I'm, there's so much oh car let's we'll take the car can I bring yeah, up so the car so recording in a car yeah or, okay. recording in a car everybody has different ideas about how to record there's no right way or wrong way to record as long as you've got a reasonable you know good quality recorder and a reasonably good quality mic it's your choice what you do is but how do we make it work what happens we've got four basic shots in the car right how are we going to cut it together you look at the tackle make sure the car's uneven ground I think camera department want that as well anyhow uh, the other thing too is that you'd find that keep an eye on the tackle that the car's always at the same speed no matter what shot we're on so when I've you had it that together, problem before editing works. not my one of my own shorts but someone else's and the, just the sound difference in a car when it's on different roads it's yeah. just shocking like <laughs> and if, especially if you're cross cutting between two people talking it came out well just, either you're going to have to introduce a whole load of car noise to carry it over but just yeah. to try and yeah to, to keep that because one, one big thing about sound is that maybe a lot of people aren't aware you should never hear sound one <laughs> unless the director wants you to hear it one way or the other that's one and the other thing too is that that's what we work with all the time we're always monitoring the background and trying to keep the background fairly constant and the dialogue constant within that if there's any big changes anywhere that becomes a problem or background changes in background so we're always trying to work with that I think again it's back to communication it's back to the first I mean the first is is great on a you know what I mean you, you, you're, you're a lot of people say you go through the first to get to the director uh, you do I give every first his, his or her respect on day one, but it's easier sometimes for me to talk to a director because there's certain things that I'm 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 looking for, there's certain things I'm after. I don't need everyone to speak up. I need A and C maybe to speak up. Uh, if I could, just a little. I don't want them to speak up, which I'm just asking for a little bit. But sometimes I, under the pressure of things with a first idea, whatever he or she can say, say oh, no one wants everyone to speak up, and I didn't ask for that. And, you know, the other thing too with that is that, you know, you've got to respect your artists that are out there. So just on that, so with the car we basically discussed, uh, well, let's try oh, and imagine, say, then. for... Um Let's go uh, looking at it from a, a low budget point of view. When in in a car, you've got like, do you think with just a boom mic, you could you can cover. You can cover all... it with a boom mic because most times, where are you going to shoot? Are you going to shoot from the passenger side across or the back and shoot the driver, or because you can't drive and, unless you're on a rig and yeah. shoot at the same time? Now the thing nowadays, I suppose, is a lot of people are using the. Um, GoPros. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the biggest thing with the GoPros now, we have to figure this out beforehand. And this is something we try and discuss beforehand uh, the day of the shoot, because I take it in most cases, if it's a 4K system, you like to shoot wide and zoom in on post. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I'm a big hater of that approach. Cause oh, I, you don't like well, that? Well, well, no, but I, I see a lot of people no, using it because like that is, it sounds like an easier way to do. But I think what the problem with that is, even if I shoot a beautiful big photograph, and then I punch later on. I haven't looked at just that framing and chosen what works best in that. And it, it it's not a natural 
thing. I, I, I disagree with it as a sense yeah, of even no, framing, and I, I think it's the same with sound. Yeah, I'm, del- I'm delighted you mentioned that, because I'd be only too happy to work with you. That's, <laughs> that's the thing that worries me, because you're saying, oh, listen, hang on, I really don't want to use radios in this situation, uh, because, it, uh, as I said, I hate radios, but because they control you. Um, so, But what happens is the I could get a boom in there, as you said, if it was a normal camera, normal coverage. Yeah. But, oh, why? How, how tight do you think you got? Oh, well, they'll allow us... 20, 30% extra, <laughs> yeah. like we'd all would do. Uh, oh, but I might be like this, and I might be, and I might want to do that. So now you're sort of being forced into a situation you didn't really want to have to do. But I think that's the problem, because this, this notion of giving yourself more choice in post, actually, you're giving everyone less choice on set. And, and it's not, it sounds like a way of kicking the can down the road, but actually it's just kicking problems down yeah. the road, really. You know? I, I think I agree. It, it, it's like uh, uh, most camera people would prefer not to use two cameras. They prefer to use one. Absolutely, you know, just from a lighting point of view, because now it becomes a compromise, and, yeah. and I, it's the same thing for sound. Keep it simple, and it'll work. We can make it work. The car. The other thing about the car too, if anybody again, it's the the, the small budget type film. If you shoot a car approaching you in the countryside with the wind blowing away from you, what it's going to do is it'll take the car sound away from you. So what happens is you'll ask the director to let the car run further. Well, if they go past camera, if he or she are not going to pan with it, then let the car go further than you and want it to go. That too. Because it doesn't make sense that what you'll have to do is take the sound and slide it back to make it work. So, or the sound is coming towards you, and as the car goes away, it disappears quickly. So that's something just to be aware of. You know what I mean? I think that's really because, like, um, you know, well, actually, yeah, we can get onto that in a moment. Let's we're going to get onto radio mice because I know it's it's a big particular bugbear. But you know, I think it's important because it has. I'm actually amazed how much it's become the common parlance like almost the boom seems like an old-fashioned kind of difficult notion before we kind of get on about the limitations of radio mics can we talk about the strengths of a normal like your shotgun mic or your rifle mic like just the different sounds like i know it's very hard to describe these things but i guarantee you if i could have the two microphones here and put headphones on someone their eyes would open up a lot like because you're capturing it's the the life of the i don't know i think it's yeah i I, for me personally and as i said there's no right or wrong way to record as long as you come back with a good end result but certainly for me uh, if i'm dealing if i'm recording people i really like an what i call the ambient space around them a certain amount of that uh, and we can work with it it also depends on the voices so what we do is we can get a really lovely recording as soon as you add another mic or two or three or four it's changing that it's like to me doing an orchestral piece 50 50 piece now i've done, i've recorded a lot of acoustic i mean orchestral stuff and people think i'm mad i go in with a stereo setup oh you're mad you should be using multi techniques you have a conductor that has just spent it could be years <laughs> You know, Honing writing this music, putting it all together, getting into the center of it and working out a balance for all these. And suddenly, you know, we have multi-mic technique and they're going back and trying to mix it later. I asked a question, you know, can I not get that with my stereo pair? If it's a 75 piece, okay, I do understand. I got to put one or two at the back just to bring it forward a bit. But I guarantee you, I'll get that balance. No, but that, you know, that's an interesting thing because even say uh, when when Rob was was doing the sound for me on Chrome Wood, that was when we were doing the sound afterwards. 
the stereo mix that he gave me, because we were using radio mics at certain points because of the type of film it was, but the stereo mix, we were actually, for a lot of the stuff, that was what we were able to rely on. We only needed the separate stems when it came to a problem or a challenge or a difficult, you know, because he was trying to make sure that that was as usable in exactly. the first case. I think that's, and, and, and the problem, um, well, nowadays we've got multi-track, so it's a lot easier. When it was mono days, you had to pull things down. You can imagine, because if I was wearing a mic, you were wearing a mic, I came close to you. As I was come, walking to you, I was being, you were being picked up on my mic. Yes. And you, I was being picked up on your mic. So, you know, and it's, it's putting me further away than I should be. And I, la- I, I have lack of presence on the voice. So uh, there was all that sort of thing. But nowadays you can put it on multi-track. But it's still, it's, it, it, there's something about a boom. A boom to me has a beautiful sound. It's a lovely sound. You can argue and say, okay, it might sound a bit squeaky. Uh, if you get an all dynamic mic, it's beautiful. The problem with the dynamic mic, it's too low on level. And when you push it up, it pushes up all the rubbish behind it with it. It's great for voiceover because you can come in really close. Uh, <laughs> it makes us all sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so what happens is uh, with, the, with the right type of microphone, like, and most of it is you'll see these shotgun mics. Um, but there's... You, 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 you're not putting it on anyone's clothes. You're not putting it underneath anyone's clothes. Uh, you might think to yourself, oh, great, look, I've got a cap. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. And that will work well with, with it on the cap. The only problem is, are you outside and is it windy? And now you're in trouble now with, because, you know, so there's all these other problems that go with it. Um, the other lovely thing I love about the boom is the fact that or the, 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 the mic externally, the 416 or a shotgun mic, but I use that for the want of a better word. Um is the fact that you can manipulate it, you can move, you can get people's head turns. If I've got a mic sitting down my chest, and I'll take it, it's about six inches from my, the, my chin, okay, you can imagine if I start talking about the roof, how do I sound? So what happens is I'll go from the roof, so this is basically how it something sounds like this. So I'll actually talk to the roof, and now I'm talking to the floor. And you've lost right? all so the light, I'm, everything. Yeah, and all these changes you hear on these head turns. Never mind the noise that goes with that. <laughs> So all of those are, to me, you know, how come we've made films for years, or I have certainly, anyhow, and all of a sudden we can't do it without a radio mic now? You know, for, I'm just saying a lot of people would call for the radio mics. Even to the fact that uh, I remember at one point, on a couple of times, I, it was like, um, so what we have, we've got radio mics on this and we want to record everything in stereo. And you're going, well, we don't record everything in stereo. We record all the dialogue in mono. We do ambient stereo and all that. Um, Oh, well, uh, maybe we should get someone out. We'll give you a call. They wouldn't want to call you. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you were going to give them an, an, a better end result. Um, it's, I just feel, let us get in there, give us the coverage, and we'll get it. Can, can I mention one thing that's really important, especially anyone starting off? Go ahead. There's three different types of directors. Okay. There's what I call the actor's director. He or she are looking for a performance. They know what they like, but they usually bring a crew with them that's going to give them what they like and say this is what the way I like it this is what I'd like it to look and you'll probably find the camera person he or she will suggest have it have it have it oh yeah I like that I like that I like that so you know that's why they have it and they can concentrate on performance you have the other side of the coin which is the technical director and he or she has possibly done camera or loves camera and everything has to look like a Rembrandt but when it comes to the dialogue is and I've got it I've heard it I can't understand why the actors just don't read the lines yeah I mean that's not a performance oh technically it looked brilliant and then you have a director that he or she has both my chances uh, if it's an actor's director I'm going to get 
close to getting 85% of usable sound. If I get uh, a technical director, I'm actually down into the 70, 65, 70%. And if I get one that has both, I'm back up to about the 75, 80 mark. And what do you, because I think that's a really interesting point. And I think, I think you're right. And I, I find it kind of strange as well, though, because if you're someone who loves the camera, okay, that means to me that you're someone who loves the process and the technical building of a film. But the notion that the camera is, I, I think if you really love film, you understand that sound is at least half, if not potentially more actually, no. where these things come from. It, it, it is. I, I, it is half and half. Uh, they done a, I, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Italy there a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, they, done, they took a scene and they took a professional uh, camera person and an inexperienced sound person and shot a sequence. And then they reversed it and took an inexperienced camera person Sounds and an inexperienced sound person and shot it and asked people what did they think. And of course mm. they picked the piece that had good sound in it. And that's the point about you should never ever hear sound. Yeah. And if you have someone inexperienced, he or she aren't aware of all those nuances. You think it's straightforward walking across a wooden floor in high heels with dialogue. Now, how do we solve the problem? <laughs> Any ideas? <laughs> so that's something that we're usually aware of. And, and there's a number of things that's going to happen here. We see a wide shot. So we do see the floor. Uh, a director, he or she has asked that they, you know, we, we pick this area because of the floorboards. <laughs> Uh, I just want to quietly go out and shoot myself. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, what has happened is you're hoping that, okay, we've already spoken about this, but, you know, I would have had it here. Um, are we going to go in tighter? Yeah, oh, we're certainly going to tighter. And the dialogue would certainly, and this is, again, comes with experience. It comes with the editing process as well, that if it's going to be an emotional sequence, if it's going to be, it's not just straight dialogue or throwaway lines, you know you're going to be in there tight. You're going to be looking at those expressions in the face. You're going to see it. You're going to see the eyes. So you know you've got it. You're yeah. in there. Uh, where it's a 50-50, I'm not sure you're, you're asking, are we going to do coverage? Are we going to be in tight and in close? Once we get into a medium shot, we don't see the floor anymore. Can we run carpet down? The first question I'll probably ask is, um, and not, I'll ask the camera person first about, I may... I'm going to see if I can lose the heels. That's number one. Are you happy to lose? Depends on how many inches, and maybe we yeah. build the floor up, or we'll go. We can drop the height, and there's no problem. Then I'll go to one of the girls in wardrobe and say, "Do you think she'll lose the heels?" I don't think you have a chance now. Yeah, she'd love to. She's only too willing to get a pair of slippers. <laughs> so yeah, that's 50-50. So I'll then go and ask, are they happy to lose it? But again, you know, it's not just one person I'm going to. I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, we've talked about the coverage of it. Then I've talked about losing the to the camera person about losing height. You've got to be aware of that as well. I can't just bypass that and likewise. The other thing that's really important on set when I'm on that about uh, communication, and we talk about that, I've always said that a sound person should be on the floor at all times and you're always monitoring. What is the director? What is he or she doing? Who are they talking to? What are they saying? We're like earwiggers. I, I mean, I'm talking to the crew, not when they're out talking to friends yeah. or something like that. I, so either talking to the camera person... What is he or she saying? Are they changing the shot? Are they, have they got something in mind? Are they going to do a slow zoom? Something I'm missing? Are they going to pan too? Uh, what about when they're talking to the actors? So, okay, I'll tell you what to do. This time, actually, uh, why don't you sit and they say the line? I remember you saying this before. This is where you swing in a boom to actually like have a little listen in on the chance exactly that are going a lot. Just so you and I think that's really important that you must have that. You know, you, because what happens is you then know what's going to happen. You've just changed something in the scene, but you because there's a lot on your mind. You've walked past everybody and headed out towards the monitor or whatever, and uh, suddenly you go, oh, "Oh, hang on!" So I'm back onto the other half to record this, or it's the other way around, whichever. Oh, listen, we're going to change that line. So, and then you notice, oh, they didn't say anything to the camera person. Uh, Bob, listen, do you know that she's actually going to sit and say the line this time? Oh, no, no, you don't. 
Yeah. Mark, are they going to sit? Yeah, sorry. They're... Yeah, so so there's all that going on, uh, and that's really important. I think you've got to keep that in mind all the time. And I blew it <laughs> very early on in the piece. There's a, a, a film called Dalat Mandon called Images, and Susanna York comes out of a pantry and crosses the kitchen. Now, I'm on a mechanical boom, so it's quite a fast move there. So you've really got to anticipate. You should never anticipate as a boom operator, but <laughs> <laughs> that's my slap. Uh, what happens is... I did, because she came across the kitchen so far. But he said that. I remember he said to her, pause, <laughs> say that extra line, and then go. Of course, what happened is I had gone. She said the line. I came back, and she went. Yeah. So, And that's still in the scene to this day. I really? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, that's a good point as well, because like, you know, when you're directing, say, an actor, you're trying to get that natural flow of a scene, it can seem restrictive. It's the same as trying to, for a camera, getting someone to land on a mark. The yeah. same with dialogue to try and say, well, could you put the cup down before you say that and everything? And you don't want to overly complicate a scene by giving like, here's 20 different things you have to do. However, again, it's that understanding of that compromise and picking and choosing your battles. And I think even as a director, there's taking a certain responsibility that sometimes you're going to have to try and give way a little bit to your departments like camera and sound because again it's all to try and give you the best product in the end in the end yeah and it'll work you know I I, I mean because sometimes we're thinking again how it'll knit together and and also I mean uh, the other thing too is and I don't know if you found that do you ever find some days you come on to do a scene and you're just stumped you're thinking just some days it's not there. Yeah. And and all you want is, is, is a, a kickstart. Yeah. Anybody help with this? Uh, well, what about coming through? Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're off and running. It, it's, you know, so you can all help one another. But that, and, and you're looking for that suggestion. You know, again, like I think that's, even whether it's someone with the same experience with you or even a second person with less, it's been able to give them a chance to say, what would you do here? Or what, what do you need? And again, the same, like I found... It, and it's, it's again a case of a bit of compromise but it's listening to my sound department and my camera department and sometimes you'll be leaning towards one or the other but trying to find a balance in between as opposed to just one or the other now sometimes you are going to choose one or the other That's right. for certain it's, reasons yeah. but it's having that in mind and understanding the cost of that and if you're a less experienced director and you're not too sure what that cost are don't be afraid to talk to your sound department and ask them what is, how is that going to affect me? I, I agree with you. I think, I mean, this goes probably for any department. Yes, absolutely. Really that you talk to because, uh, you know, that communication again, it gets back to that. It's how can we help you? We um, even recently, uh, well, going back probably a year or two, we were doing a, a sequence where it just didn't work. It wasn't working. It just didn't, wasn't clicking. And I remember director saying at the time, do you know what I'd really like is an ambience running. I'd love the chatter here. I just think this will help. We'll just let it run. Run with the chatter. We'll cover it. Let's see, you know, as long as we can control the background chatter. Yeah. And it worked. So so there's that as well. Okay, you're putting yourself in the fire, but then you know how you can control it. And you're more or less saying, well, look, I'll control the background. And, you know, if, if you're happy with that. But so when we come around to do the cut, I'll try and match what I'm doing. So, But, but you're going to be stuck. You, there's no, you can't separate that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, that's quite amusing all the time, we take notes as we go through, you can imagine, right? So not only, I don't, uh, I mean, when I was recording, I was a boom swinger for years, and then I recorded by default, somebody dragged me into it, and I recorded about 30 films, and then I decided I didn't want to do anymore. I'd much prefer boom swinging. I like placing the mic. That's my baby. That's my area, and that's what sounds all about. If you haven't got a good boom swinger, you can't get there if the mic's not in the right place. There's no point in recording it. The, the importance of the boom singer, again, that's something that gets kind of lost. In the same way that people get overly excited about what camera you're recording your film on, 
it's not that those things don't play into part, like what, what mics do you have for your film, but it's who's using them and how. Yeah. It, 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 it's everything. I think it's everything. I think it's how you use that, and, and it's the best thing. And also, I mean, you remember, a lot of the time you're uptight, you're working very close to actors, so you're watching and being aware of the eye lines, you're being aware of their movements, because sometimes you're coming in underneath or whatever you might do. Um I got. I worked with uh, Kate Hudson, wasn't it? Uh, for yep. I, and for the first five days, I was on the floor, lying on the floor. That's how I was introduced to her mom and dad, going <laughs> home when they arrived. This is the guy that's been lying on my feet for the last five days. <laughs> but you, you need to build up a rapport as well when you do that. Uh, I think that's really important. If you're using radio mics, I know at times we have to. And okay, at times we have to do it. But as I say, I hate them. But again, it's the rapport that uh, artists have trust in you that you've got them switched off and not the whole. Everybody's listening in while nothing's going on. Yeah. Because let's face it, with personal mics on, people forget they have private conversations and so on and so forth. And you know, we have to be like doctors; we don't let it out, and we don't want anyone else hearing it. So we won't open our channels. Being professional, yeah. yeah, very unprofessional. I think so. We make sure that they are. Nowadays, we've got remotes to switch them off. We didn't always have that. Oh, uh, well, you can just switch them off separately for other people. Without acting, you have to go up and turn them off. You can actually just mute them. Yeah, you can control. do them with a remote now. You can. That's just very look. nice. <laughs> I meant to actually ask you then, because like you worked with uh, Lenny Lenny Abramson on uh, what Richard did. For Frank, yeah. was, did you work on anything? I didn't do, I'd done a few things, on so, a few days on Frank. Okay. It, it was sort of a, it was a catch-22, that one in a way. Um, it was a, someone I had brought into the business was actually asked to swing that. Okay. And he rang me and said, you know, the problem with this now is the fact that the sound recorders wants me to do it, but the, Lenny wants you to come back in and done it. Because there was a lot of things that happened out of... I'm not saying anything, don't get me wrong. Um, the recorder son was very, very good, and he'd always wanted me to go out and work with him to yeah. see what it was like. He was an ex student of mine. He's now on the stage doing really well. So, well, what happened is that he, um, it's just the inexperience. Sometimes it's like everything else. It, 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 you build up your experience over the years, and you know what you can get away with, you know what you can work with. With the backgrounds, he was one with the backgrounds and stuff like that. And I know what I can do, what you can't do. And I'm saying, we can go with this. And the recorders go, Yeah, it's understanding the limitations and what can happen yeah, here. You can go, don't panic. Yeah. And then, you know, explained how we could do this. So there was a lot of things like that. So Lenny asked me would I come on to, on to the other one, but. You can't. It's the sound recorder. It's his or her choice yeah. to pick the boom swinger. And that's it, as far as I'm concerned. I don't care. I've been there, you know, recorders go off, travel overseas. Oh, we can't take the boom swinger. Okay, I want them out in 24 hours if I don't get the right person. That's the deal. Yeah. And we and I'm the same. I, when I had my boom swingers, I'd done exactly the same thing. So I appreciate that. No, absolutely, actually. And I think that, you know... And what I'm trying to think is like say on, on what Richard did then because so you were boom up yeah. on that yeah so for certain scenes Lenny seems to like to improvise and everything that's kind of the famous scene at the beach house where they're all kind of sitting around drinking yeah. have the chats cover how do you approach those kind of scenes because obviously that's a chance like I understand why Lenny made that choice and it made a wonderful scene but obviously that brings certain challenges from your end yeah I think the ad lib uh, in fact I was only asked about this the other day as well how do we cope with this I think it it was reasonably self-contained that's number one number two there was we had a few radios out as well as a backup so there was a boom operating during these scenes as well sorry there was a boom operating as well oh you'd operate yeah as well and what happens is you choose a mic that was a little wider so it gives you a little bit more. So, okay, we might have got a little bit more background, but then we will make sure that we cover most people. But what happens is it's like, uh, the, the thing about a microphone is that anyone using it or anybody that's going to swing a mic up or in position, it's like a camera lens. Depending on the microphone you have, it's got 
a top and bottom frame and a left and right frame. <laughs> Think about it. So what happens is that when you're trying to work out, okay, so we're going to have ad libs here, right? Now, first of all, you've worked with the cast for a bit of time, so you have an idea who is who really wants to ad lib anyhow because they've been trying it all the way through. I was just thinking of Aidan Quinn in, in um, Collins. Mm. He used to want to ad lib, and I used to say, please, Aidan, look, <laughs> it just heaps of dialogue at the moment. But you tell me roughly where you think you might want it. <laughs> you might say, there and there. I'll tell you what, no, I'll tell you what. If the mic gets close to me, I'll do it. And that was the deal. So, and, and I'd always go past them every time just to make sure. So, so, so it's the same sort of thing because you, you do have a feel of who would do it. So you centre yourself in that area, but your edges, if you like, of the mic, uh, and you'd be using people on the edge. So, so if I have to go force to my right I'm using the left hand edge the mic's heading out that direction but I'm really ready to move that way in case something happens I think we use two booms as well just to give ourselves a little bit of coverage yeah. and a little bit of air and I think like if now I, I believe I, I heard Lenny talking about like for those things though as well like this isn't just like they just said let's just roll cameras and go for it like there was a, there was a rehearsal process and it was honed in and so everyone kind of got familiar with it because I think nowadays there's a, there's a people have quite a fondness of the idea of keeping things loose and improvised but there's a certain level of professional organized improvisation, yeah, it if is, that makes it, sense. It is. It, it organized, I mean, I, I, you're, you're so right. And I think it's the, even the area in it. We, not everybody's wandering around and going out. Yeah, he, he understood that he needed to control it in some bit. So they're yeah. kind of sitting against couches. They're all tucked in together kind yeah, of as well. In a sense. So it's nearly the half circle. So, so you've got visually, you've got it the covered. And then, and then the other thing I think on some of those, because we've done it more than once, we picked up one or two coverage is like a two or three shot occasion didn't we or was that yeah no, no no yeah I love that film I really enjoyed working with Lenny I, I, it, it was a pleasure to work with him I, it, for a number of reasons um, I was a great crew I thought it was a lovely crew and, and uh, the DOP Dave Grennan um, I knew Dave since he was a, started off in the business as gotcha. a trainee so um, there was a lot of certain things uh, that was lovely about that and I really enjoyed it I must admit I, and it was a bit of fun as well you know it, what I mean it feels like he and it is only from hearing him talk at a couple of events he's very conscious of creating like it's a creative space he creates but he seems to have a, an appreciation understanding for everyone and wanting you know it all to come together like it, it, there's no sort of ego within this is just going to go this no, way no there's no ego he's, 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 he's very much aware of everyone around him he's very much aware of trying to make that work in that space he's also that one that holds up his hand and says I'm lost yeah uh, you know give me a bit of feed up here you know to help me off to get me kick started there was just so many different things I mean and sometimes you're really lucky that you get that opportunity I mean I, I must admit I've worked with quite a few directors that had that it, yeah, Crying the list up. is quite long. I was looking through your IMDb through credits. <laughs> Can you imagine me here all for years? Uh, but you know, it, it's but it's a shame when you walk away with a bad taste in your mouth because you feel we could have done better today. Yeah, because of and because of A, B, and C, it wasn't going to happen. But you, it's funny you walk away with you take the responsibility. You even though it's not your, you could take the money and run. But if you're going to get into say, any area, I think in film, it doesn't matter what it is, you can't walk away. No, you can't. And, like, and I do think that's such an important thing where people talk about after. Like, of course, you could admit there was, there was challenges or restrictions, but at the end of the day, that is your work up there, whether it's the sound, whether it's the picture, whether it's director or writer, and you kind of have to own that. Yeah, know? I think you do. And, I, 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 and the other thing, too, that's always interests me is, and I've always said this to a number of people, is you don't have to particularly like or get on with the people you're working with as long as you can work reasonably well together, yeah. if you know what I mean. So we can come out with an end result. 
I don't know how many people you worked with where we had very little time for one another, but at the same time, you'd still put in your 100%. You can still create a great film. And you'd end up doing two or three films with the same person. You can argue with a director continually uh, throughout a shoot and think, oh, well, never again. And likewise, they're saying the same thing. And then, you know, a year and a half later, you get another call. Love you to come back out and do it. <laughs> and thinking, what would I'm be your recommendation? Say, say for, as a, as a sound, like say a boom operator on set or anything like that, because as you said, there can be those days that are hard they're stressful they're difficult you might have been overridden you, you know you might have gotten a hard time you didn't deserve so you've gone home deflated and you're really just tired and exhausted it, like how, how have you approached that when you come back onto set the next day like i think it's a fresh day it's a new day it's a start of a new day you know what i mean it's no point in feeling you, the, the, the bad taste only lasts for an hour or so you know what i mean it gets out of the system and you're back day for a new day and we'll start again i'm always amazed at films no matter how many you do it's like deja vu yeah. I've been here before and the last time I was here it was a nightmare how come today it's what's happened <laughs> yeah. it's similar scene two handers the sun is shining the sun was shining it was a do it with yeah, same thing but why Why it was it difficult so difficult the last time so there's a lot of those situations and I'm going to mention the other one probably I shouldn't mention this but I will the lovely thing about directors wearing headphones is not only to hear the performance and hear the voice, because I'm really into that about, as I mentioned earlier, about the emotions, and you should hear the voice crack about how people deliver stuff, you know, if you're into that sort of, you know, really tight stuff. Uh, and it should feel warm to you. A few things are a problem. A director, you've got to be aware, is that, as I mentioned, is not only working hard and doing all of that, and the, but also the other thing, too, is that he or she, it could be their script as well. They've read that script a thousand, if not yeah. a million times. They know the lines backwards. <laughs> so what happens is that, you know, you have to be quite vigilant. <laughs> being aware when you're when you're marking up the script as, you, as you're looking at it, as people are going through you're marking what's been said because sometimes they skip a line and a director won't pick it because it's in his head it's just gone through as Absolutely. normal you know so you so normally what happens is you see the continuity it's like two rabbits you know looking <laughs> over one another today and sometimes you know nowadays with video you can go back and have a quick look but you do a quick check that we, we have missed that line now we had it on the last one it was quite good but you know or whatever the other thing, too, is that I know you're under pressure and what's happened is we, we seem to be getting further behind. It's just one of those shoots where yeah. be, just between weather and, you know, construction, we've had a few problems. There's been a few, you know, generator had gone and we've lost so much time. You're trying to do a catch-up. And what happens is I've got it like a pneumatic drill. We just arrived out in the morning, pneumatic drill in the back. Uh, I know you're not going to stop or you're going to say, shit, I don't care. We just revoice. Otherwise, I'm further behind, so uh, I won't say anything. Uh, you know, I won't even mention pneumatic drill. But what I'll do is I'll have the trainee go out there with a radio mic and I'll blend a bit more pneumatic drill into your headphones than what I'm actually hearing. So you'll take them off and go, for Christ's sake, <laughs> I lose my headphones, but at least I get the pneumatic drill stopped. <laughs> so we have all these little things yeah. that we do to save it's just putting more pressure on you while you're on it already. But then we all do the same. Sort of we thing. do, actually. And so, like, you know, uh, reading scripts, important for the sound department beforehand, like being familiar with the script and everything. Like, yeah. Would you go through everything? And do you mark it up with, like, because it's very hard to know from a staging point of view, but I guess if there's sounds or anything, do, do yeah. you mark up for these things? I don't really mark it per se, but what happens is I read the script first, right? And as I go through it, I put marks down. 
Yeah. Uh, more so when you're recording than when you. I mean, now I read the script of your boons when you, you read the script and then on the day you read it once more. There's no point trying to learn the lines. You'll get the rhythm. It won't take you long. And it doesn't matter what language they speak, you still get the rhythm. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, when I was recording, I'd read it a couple of times, put a few, as I ran through it, I'd put down marks and then go back and try and figure out why I wrote those marks down. Um, and some of them are to do with um, the location, some of them are to do with radio, some are to do with just the complexity of the scene itself and, and in a very a noisy environment. It could be in a factory environment and how much control, what sort of factory we're going to be at. So they're kept and marked till I meet the director and then what happens is we sit down and talk about those. It's the first time we've met. And also, I've got to take a certain amount of stuff with a grain of salt, if that makes sense. Of course, that's how you know. That'd be fine. I've been there. It's quiet. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, no, I think you're right. Because like that, even think that's something that'd be really important for all of us and we can't forget it with the, having those previous meetings and having those sits and chats and like separately with your sound department and not just with a room full of people Exa- yes because yeah. i think from a sound operator's point of view um if you are having that conversation with the director and you're kind of whether it's highlighting slight concerns and everything you're already putting into their head an expectation from your end of your concerns and everything like that and it means going into the film set that that you're part of the conversation, yes. you know what I mean. Like you, you're setting a standard early on. I, I, yeah, of the, I think that's the important. And the other thing too is to go to the readings. Could you? We get invited to the readings, or we ask requests sometimes. Do you mind? Just sometimes it could be all artists that you haven't worked with before, and you just want to hear what their voices are like. Yeah, uh, it's just a feel, just a rhythm of how they're delivering. It's just there's a whole. You're not you're not going to stay there all day, but it just gives you an idea. I think on one shoot, I remember we were going to shoot two cameras and my, one of the requests, I remember, was that, okay, so we're medium and close-ups and not wide and tight. And now and I would be all mediums and close-ups. And day one shot, one was wide and tight. And when I said, I thought you were going to do this medium and close-up, he said, well, you're the sound guy, sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> we went downhill from there. But that's <laughs> what I mean about, you know, where, where sometimes you just have to be aware that this might happen. I've seen this as well where, like, people have been given, like, uh, they've arrived in a room and the camera's already decided it's going to be a wide shot pressed up against the wall and you're a boom operator maybe even with rate, no radio mics and the actor's the other side of the room and it's just well get it we'll get it you know yeah, and yeah, you're going, uh. yeah it, it, I suppose you bring it back to the cameras that very important thing is to not forget that there's only limited abilities so if, exactly. you, if you restrict them you're the one telling you're stopping them from being able to do yeah. it for you, you know? I think I think you say in that situation that you said say you want to stay wide yeah and you for whatever it might call whatever the scene might call for and you say no I don't want to do any coverage on this I really want it wide and I want them down that far corner what I'll do in that situation is how many rehearsals are you going to have hopefully at least one yeah if not two hopefully two and on the second one I'll actually say listen guys I'm getting in frame I'm going to record this now for the for the for the for the rehearsal so we've got it yeah, because sometimes what happens is because uh, again the pressure's on. Oh no, don't worry, you can do that later. You won't see the lips. We, I won't. You know, in, in a lot of situations for wide shots, I know we can cover it when we get into the medium and close-ups. But in that situation, a one-off is usually uh, sometimes that the film calls for it, and we've got plenty of time, or I don't have any time, and I just think this is going to work, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, and uh, and I'll get in for the rehearsal. A lot of the time, I'll, I'll cover stuff in a rehearsal. And there's even more options nowadays, though, as well. I think because, saving for editing uh, software at home, it's become a lot easier and more accessible. That, Like David Fincher on the House of Cards, things where he loves to do his wide shots, but it's a locked-off shot. And so he actually allows his booms to come right come in right over into people, that, yeah. and then they just composite them out afterwards. Now, of course, you have to have total control of light to be able to do that, but it's to be aware of these possibilities to you, and actually, if you can allow them that 
why wouldn't you? Because like you've got these top end directors who realize how important it is to get that boom in there. Yeah, I think that's the other thing too. And and and, and the other thing that was interesting, Pat, who came back from the states there last year, he was saying that he said, you know, the interesting thing about it now is the fact that so many people are actually going back to the boom and getting rid of radios. He said he can't, I can't remember Blue is that a series Blue or something? He was mentioned quite a few series. He said I went out there thinking, you know, oh they've got radios all over the place. Yeah. He said they hadn't. Boom. She said no, wouldn't close your radios. They're all gone. So a lot of people are actually going back the other way. And also it's giving you, it's like, you know, nowadays with some shoots, they, oh, we'll get a Zoom because we can do a lot with a Zoom, yeah. but it doesn't really work yes. per se. Okay. You can get some light shots. I'm not saying you don't. You can put them on a the long lens and all that sort of stuff. But but it's not as good as having a set, a half dozen No, set it's not. Yeah. But again, I think it's, yeah, I, I think people have gone through, like with the di- digital re- revolution, people could kind of do whatever they wanted and they felt this total freedom and actually... Not, sometimes it created very interesting art, but quite often it created flabby and, you know, just not focused work. And I think people, yeah, are kind of same with scripts and everything. And like, because when I'm working dialogue with, with, with crew, I tend to like the actors to put it in their own words, but they have to keep the very clear intention because that line is there for a reason. Yes, and I think it's yeah. the same with sound and everything that actually people are kind of realizing there's a reason to have these restrictions and that focus exactly yeah because you can't you can't let it out you can't you know what i mean you, you do it's like having a wild dog you know what i mean in a way you've got to fence it off because it is going to get out it is going to attack someone and you know again the same thing you're going to just lose so much because of that dog this you're going to lose so much if you let it go way out there yeah. so it's got to be reasonably contained organized confusion and really self-contained but within that frame there's so much you can still do and there's so many things and also to remember anybody certainly starting off in sound there's four sides to a frame not just the top yes <laughs> and you're going to think of that as well and when you're in noisy environments to be able to work underneath even though you might think that you'll be you could be six inches further away or more uh, because of presence because of lack of background you'll drop quite a bit of background it'll work you know so 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 it's just using the mics that you've got learn the mics yeah understand the mics know exactly what they can pick up and where they can go and where you can slip into where you can put a shadow you know people talk about oh gee because i got a light shadow there listen the light shadow you can drop into a dark shadow on the wall and the mic's in the right place and what happens is you don't move until the artist moves as soon as the artist moves you move it looks like a shadow from the artist. you get away with so, it absolutely you know i could name thousands of shadows in there along the way it's 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 a passion and i think they, they, certainly the latter films since I, I went through the recording stage I suppose it's interesting because there's a lot of people you can help and you, you know what I mean in terms of you've been there you've done that or the other thing too is getting all the electronic devices and thinking oh, I'll switch all these in and I'll do this oh that sounds so much better and then suddenly go oh this is not working it doesn't sound right hang on give me the mic Take the machine, plug it straight in, forget all that shit. How does it sound? Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the mic, nothing wrong with the machine. It's all the shit in between that you've been tweaking or playing with. So it's all these things. There's a craftsmanship to that, though, isn't it? There's kind of an appreciation of just the, it's almost the simplicity like that, where if you're having a challenge with the mic, it's like, just break it down. Like, and I see that with the most experienced crew people on all the different departments, where instead of kind of going, oh, God, I don't know what's going on, it's simply, let's just take a moment and let's work our way through it, you know? And actually, it was funny. Um, because I wanted to bring it up with you because uh, one day I was chatting to, to, to Rob Moore and he was coming, I think he was going to meet you to pick up a little bit of gear because him and a bunch of sound guys were actually just going to play around with some equipment. And it, it reminded me of how wonderful a lesson that is that I think probably all of us are guilty of not doing enough of yeah. is testing the limits of these things and trying different scenarios and everything like that 
and not just on set, like learning and growing. Learning it as you go. I think that we, we, we have, and we want to grow. We're growing quickly, but we'd love to bring in other departments. We've been growing from a sound point of view. In fact, last Friday, we had a show and tell at my house. So it's basically, what have you got? What have I got? Let's have a look at your gear. What have you been up to? What have you been up to? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of new people came along. And in fact, I was only talking to one there before this, and he was saying, I learned so much on Friday. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's just... Yeah. When's the next one? So we're like, okay, two or three months, we'll have another one. But it's so important that, and, and a lot of people sometimes, I'm quite happy to help a lot of people along the way, and you, especially in sound. I think my wife worries in case anybody's really into sound, she's waiting for me to bring them all. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've got another guest here. Another sound version. The only thing I ask, I don't want money. I'm not asking for money or anything like that in, the, in those situations. I'm quite happy to go and have a copy of a chat and blah, blah, and help. Uh, pass it on. Yeah, I think I think it's really important. Pass it on, but we certainly want to involve camera, uh, ads, uh, art department. You know, perhaps everybody. There's a, there's a whole crew out there. You know that want to play. I love. I, I'll say one thing that I love about the modern day. It's so inexpensive even to hire equipment and go out and shoot a documentary or a feature. I love the fact you guys can do it. <laughs> I considered it the first time, I suppose, in the early 70s. You can imagine what it would have cost me for stock. And I had a lot of the short tents I was getting for nothing. So, and then to hire the camera. So it was going to cost How me do you think? Because like, I think that's range. a really interesting point. Because like the whole, say, the digital revolution, shall we say, like it, it brought in all these abilities and maybe not as many masterpieces as some people originally thought have kind of flowed directly out of them. But is that just because that was the early stages like it's like the teething time of that revolution and it's actually grown up and that people are actually you know now a little less just overexcited about the access to things and now people are starting to hone back into the craft of yeah them. i think I, I agree with you i think that's what happened i think even yet it's still the same but i think it's no different than a kid getting sweets you know the more sweets you're given the more you'll eat till you get really sick and then you you get you start cutting back and thinking okay we're gonna yeah. make this last a couple of days I, I think it's the same thing with when video came on board i mean at one point we'd have 20 minutes to go out and do an interview and uh, you know a, 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 what do you call it a two two 20 minute rolls to do a four minute item uh whereas with video we had 60 minutes plus <laughs> 60 minutes and 60 minutes so you know i've been in situations where we've gone out for a documentary and shot for a week and the editor looked at it for a week before she got <laughs> it so you know we've shot so much stuff yeah so that's but th- then i think you you do hone that down but i do i still think that maybe i'm getting old but i do think that when somebody handed you a 20 minute roll and said go out and shoot with that you really have to plan it yeah and you have to work out how you're going to do this i'm not saying i'd say that with glee i don't but but it's just giving you a um how would you put it it's giving you a frame to work in to, to, i can come back with something out of this and i don't have to shoot that 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 and that because who's going to spend time in the editing you are or you're going to pay for an editor and he or she well that can be the design especially because like money to shoot is so low these days but even in post-production there tends to be even less allocated to that and so if you end up with 10 times the amount of footage that you need yeah. that actually just makes your job even more impossible there and that's again where that discipline on set and having that kind of communication and set, I think you you really need that because you <laughs> it sounds wonderful that you think you're going into a, to a post with, with everything yeah. but it's really not it's kind of doing you a disservice now sometimes that can be handy but I I, I would say eight times out of ten if not at least seven 
the, none of those bits are going to be used I, anyway. I really, yeah. And it's and and the other thing too is stopping yourself from well, this might be help or this might. Do. You've already worked it out in your head. You've spent ages laying it out. Let's keep to the to the to the storyboard to the, what you've had in your mind. Occasionally, something might pop up. You might get it, but you can't keep stretching out. It's like doing that documentary where you suddenly find I'm doing a documentary on you at the moment. Suddenly, I somebody you've just spoken to, I find really they're really interesting too. And so let's follow them too. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm thinking, which one is it? Well, actually. And I get sort of the last section I'd like to get onto on, on the podcast before we move on is actually just saying sound in general because it's a probably only something I guess as every film you make you kind of learn it more and more because you're and even from watching films kind of appreciating how much the sound is building the the scene as, as much as that image is like even whether we're talking about foley now as well as music as well as the sound recording from the thing do you think I'm I'm trying to think a helpful understanding for directors and writers actually when they're creating these pieces in the first place to actually be able to write with sound in mind. I think so, yeah. I think, in fact, I even remember this from a film called Quacks of Fortune, this actually coming up <laughs> with a writer. It was a Jim Wilder film, but with a writer saying, you know, we were. he actually was on the set and he was talking about it and saying, you know what I mean, it's funny, we should really spend more time in sound to to, to be able to write the script with this in mind. But but the other thing too is then we have to get the performance to go with that because sometimes some performances sound really flat and you're a bit disappointed in some ways that... Now, I, I also, don't get me wrong, I'm taking into consideration that you know, sometimes directors will be pulling their hair out to try and get a good performance. Of course. I think uh, the other thing, too, that can happen is that you're being offered a lot of money by an organisation on condition you take at least one or two actors that you suddenly find, that didn't, that is not working for yeah. me. Uh, and you think, well, there's your money gone to the wall because it's just going to kill you. I've seen that happen a lot as well. You're just so sorry for somebody that's been forced into that, thinking, oh, great, I've finally got a good budget. <laughs> yeah, there's the money. What do you, you want me to take? To? <laughs> not those two. Surely not those two or those three. So there is that as well. But then you, you, the other thing too for directors as well, that you, we are on your side. And I think that's the other thing. I think most the crew will support you. And the other thing for the actors that we, we do, I mean, certainly I do. I think I have a tremendous amount of respect for the actors. And I think we have to have that. We do do things we shouldn't do. I know that. By right, we should always go through you if we want to do anything. But if I know someone, I might want a little bit more level. Yeah. But rather than go through you, because I know them, I might say any chance. And likewise, they'd come to you and say, I'd love to drop on this one. You'd say, well, drop and let's see how far we go. And I'll tell you more during off camp, but not in your... Yeah, yeah, it's I, not something I, that has to be And I think we all tend to do that a little. Mm. But do you think, because like, I, I guess, and I know it's probably more in the post-production side when we think about sound design, though, uh, you know, obviously very famous examples being the stuff, the work that Walter Murch would have done on Apocalypse Now or, uh, you know, even the English Patient. I, I remember hearing him talk quite interestingly about that. But just understanding how much sound can tell your story too. That, you know, that allowing a shot of a person, whether it's a, a church bell in the background or even exactly. just hearing the tone of the room, like we... That is a visual experience in a strange... I know it sounds strange to Look, say, but... it's so... Um, in fact, Rob's mate, I don't know if you would have made him, Colin. McKenna. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Colin? He sound makes Cromwood. All right, you know Colin. <laughs> yeah. well, right? The first time I met Colin, Colin was in Pulse and he was going to do track one of the students' films. And it was 
10 minute long. And the student at the time had said to me, oh no, do you mind coming in and having a look at this? I was introduced to Colin at that point. We hadn't got any further and say, hello, I'm Colin, I'm, mm. I'm going to do posts. And I said, fine. So we started off, like you said, number one. And I'm saying, okay, what's in your mind here? What have you got? What do you see? Uh, what's the feel? This to me would be blah, blah, running in the background. This, that, this, that, 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 this. Go inside. What are you going to hear inside the room? Okay. Mm, doesn't say yeah what about this what about that have you thought of inside outside so you sound from inside to outside and it grew it's growing all the time it's growing it's growing it's growing it's getting bigger it's it's and when we finished Colin went I didn't know there was so much in this yeah. I love it <laughs> that was exactly what he said so so it's that thing about not knowing to knowing and we do that a lot I mean I've had the opportunity and I you know I thank God because I've worked with quite a few directors and some directors wanted me to track late for them mm. and I was only too happy I love that a lot of directors I, I recorded for I actually set in on the mix okay because of their style uh, so I love it. I, there's so much you can do. It's it's so much you can create. Uh, there's, I can't. I it's can't so hard to explain. No. I guess, and I, I think it's probably something I'll always be learning with. But it's just because, say, initially, I would have been probably overly defensive about don't put that in because that's not a sound that was actually there. But it doesn't happen. No, matter. it doesn't. Does it's it? just that would be my own limitations of, yeah. of connecting with that reality. Yeah, but you don't. The, thing now obviously you don't want to like you know it's it's the cheesy horror film with the with the drip of water that comes from nowhere but you can have these wonderful subtle things and i think that's where a sound people can understand that and help a director is just the certain sounds bring certain emotions oh, i think they, they do and i think we done it even with uh, as you mentioned before with what richard did oh uh, yeah yeah lenny's film uh, we recorded a lot of uh, sounds that we thought were quite nice i'd done Contraro in italy the same thing i went around with with a it, it was just the way it went that the recordist was he he concentrated on recording and getting that right. I okay, I swung it, but I'd done all the dealing with posts and I recorded a lot of post sounds. Uh, and I went out at night and I I just because it was a bit of horror in a way. But all these beautiful, even even taking a church pew and moving it in one of the old Italian churches and just that sound. Yeah. And then what you do is you reverse it and slow it and take it the other way. So there's all these different things that you can play with to. And again, it's it's uh, when you say to people like, okay, uh, we're sitting here at the moment, we could post ourselves in London City and we just put Big Ben. But the yeah. problem with a lot of people, they actually record it up close, it's like sitting right here beside us, whereas you want it away out here somewhere. And that is a different sound than actually yeah, recording Completely. close and turning it down. It's yeah, not it the same thing. I, oh, listen, this is the, that's something about dialogue that kills me about, you know, recording, even revoicing and stuff like that, where people bring the mic up here and then trying to recreate that. You can't. You need space. You need air. Even when I talked about doing sound only, uh, you know, the scene, that the mic has to be in the same place we create that feel it's it's got to be yeah it's just got to feel right and that doesn't feel right yeah you know i'd be playing the scene here all day and all of a sudden i'm going to play in here and you're going to pull it down it's nowhere near it uh and i'll tell you giving your dummy mixture a nightmare uh, so there is yeah there's so many i mean it's something to consider it's something we talk about quite a lot it depends on directors some directors don't want to think about it till later yeah uh some do or some are really oh yeah i like that could you come to think we might could we play something in and have a reaction, you know, yeah. or do something or create something? So it, it, there is a lot of that. I, I love doing that. And also it's interesting that how, you know, what people don't hear. That's what I was saying about don't hear sound. You, you know, you should never hear sound. But uh, I, it was an exercise I had for a long time. And I keep saying I must recreate it while I was in Australia because I lectured there as well. And I, I recorded, you know, a room with looks like somebody had a heavy night. And all of a sudden, you know, you can see just the room. It's a wider shot. 
curtains blowing in the wind, the window, where you can hear traffic outside next window, there's a smash and you can hear the sirens and all that shit mm. coming. And what happens is he goes and closes the window because of the noise. And then, of course, you can hear the fridge and the tap. And then Sweet pulls out the fridge, just stops the tap, gets in. Then you can hear there's other noises going on around you and footsteps on the stairs. So he's in an apartment. So you're, you're getting more information all the time. The interesting thing about it is that when you start, eventually gets out and opens the window, puts everything back to the way it was. But it was all those sounds are already there. But then everybody can now hear them because yeah. you brought their... T- but it sounds so natural. What I'm saying, when you're sitting back just accepting it, and yeah, not. but um, actually no, because like what I'm trying to think is because actually yeah, that's another thing about storytelling through sound. Because say even what well, could be look like a simple shot of someone standing in an apartment or everything like that with the window open and the sounds in. But say if if this person's looking to get some privacy or you know can't handle it, just them closing the window and the sh- the change in sound from hearing all that to quiet like that that tells us something. That's yeah, a way it's, of it's 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 and not only that. I mean, even the other thing too. We just add to that and let's go. We want to create a sound for you because I don't want to always see you but yeah. I want to know it's you you're yeah. around the corner so we give you a sound when we see you it could be a squeaky shoe it could be a bracelet you carry it could be a neck it could be something so it means we don't have to see you all the time we can just hear you it's like I, I think somebody said to me a while ago about how could you if you done a car for a film what would you do would you just try and record it in the street with all the things I said I'd have a car with a different sound so you know yeah. As soon as you hear it, you think, "Oh, that's their car." So it's it, and that's that there. So. It is, and that's the way I think about your audience as well. Because like it's the same way that we kind of I know if it's someone who I'm familiar with coming near because they have a sound or just the way they walk down the stairs or anything like that. It's just something in our brain associates, and I think the audience enjoy having some quick connection that allows them to understand where they're at. And sound is a great way of being able to. I think do sound that. is a brilliant. I love the fact of what you can do with sound, and the lovely thing about it is you can create anywhere in the world. Like put you inside, put you at a scene somewhere, depending on what accents, depending on what bells you're hearing, depending on what sound you're hearing. You can nearly put yourself in, you know, shoot here, put yourself anywhere else in the world with one or two. And is there any films particularly that stand out for you that when you, you, you watched that the, the sound themselves were... Images was really nice with Altman. That was really nice as Annie York. She, that, that, he'd done a really nice job on that and the sounds that were in that. But then there was a lot of chimes in that as well, which are quite nice. The car had chimes, the houses had chimes everywhere we went. Plus it had... Uh, he just added a lot to it. It was very simplistic, but yet it carried quite a lot, which I quite liked. I quite liked those sounds. Mm. But again, I didn't have any role to play in that per se outside of we recorded it. That was it. You know, I swung on it. But, but outside of that, no, not really. I mean, it's I, there's very few and far between that that I've seen that I really, I liked the overall production. Some, yeah. some are great sound-wise. They've done a really nice job. Uh, but because the performance have let it down or... or yeah, it's really a blend of all of them. It's, it's yeah, unlikely it you're really, going to have... Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I th- it, it is such a blend. And, and performance to me are... You know, I feel very strong about performances. And I, I just, you know, sometimes you feel... I don't believe any of this. <laughs> I find that... Yeah, the acting, even nowadays, like, where... You know, we're beyond like you know the seventies, kind of the reinvention of acting, where it became a bit more real and went on. Like we're at a place now where I'm quite surprised with how, in some films, what I feel are incredibly flat uh, kind of performances are are being put through as just generally safe. And then I see other ones because, like, for me to believe any of it, I gotta believe that person, even in the yeah. most unreal film, like exactly. you know, a horror or a fantasy film. Yeah. It's just that person has to be a real person in it. Yeah, they have to bring you. Yeah, you, I agree with you. And as you said, it doesn't matter what if it's a load of shit. Basically, you still have to believe it. You know what I mean? And you have to believe that character that he or she are playing that role. And I think that for me carries a lot of the films for me. And that, but I've got to feel it in 
I got to feel it in the voice. Uh, and then you will say, yeah, it's like looking at somebody's eyes directly, you know what I mean? It is actually, you know, that's interesting because like, say, yeah, like a, a close-up of someone's eyes or not even actually, just if the performance is good, someone's eyes can tell you so much. But that's where I think with sound as well, because I remember... Uh, a, an emotional moment that really kind of caught me off guard was at the end of Captain Phillips. Um, oh yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. without spoiling things too I much, but uh, yeah, yeah, like a really yeah. wonderful film. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks at the end, there, there, there's a bit where you know he's he's kind of being taken care of after the whole incident, and it's I don't think it's even because I don't even think he says any words in it, but he lets out a kind of a half sob or something, but it's that it's it's a breaking of a voice, whatever, and that little sound cut through me like nothing else That's, could. Yeah. You know, and that's where having that sound is incredibly powerful because that, for me, there was a truth in that sound. I think, I think this is the, the, the thing probably, and, you know, you probably put your finger on the pulse in a sense, that this is the thing about performances, isn't it? There's sometimes within performances, there's a lot of those little tiny moments yeah. that people won't hear if it's not done right. Yeah. It, you know, in terms of recorded right. If we get the opportunity to record good performance, good actors put in, certain things that we can miss yeah not only visually but also audibly and i you know that they're the things that you like as you said it could be a sigh it could be a breath it could be um you know a cop it could be you know a, <coughs> a nervous cop it it's it all relates it but absolutely comes. and it is because i like, on a really good performance and that's where i sound and whether sometimes that's a like a, an ADR type thing afterwards or whether it's something captured on the day I think it is those moments in a performance because if, if someone's really feeling the emotion of the scene just even the way they breathe or, or stop breathing at a certain moment or anything if that's picked up that for me conveys much like I know someone is hurting yeah. by the way they don't do something as opposed to them actually shouting and everything and if you can catch that sound and that little look Exactly. That's the power. You know? I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, and 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 it is made up of moments, isn't it? Really, and if you can capture those, uh, and and we know that for a fact that if you get a good performance, both whether it be bad sound or bad vision, you will still go with that performance because it can carry through so much strength. We've seen that as well. The other thing, you know, where it comes through all of that. And you Absolutely. Think, yeah, I believe this person. I don't care. It sounds a bit shitty or it looks a bit dark or some, you know, slightly out of focus. It, it works. And I, the scene worked for that. And to have the nerve to do that. Yeah. You know, saying live with the performance and, and have to put up with all the, you know, the abuse you might get from your producers or whatever else. And you try to fight to save that. Yeah, that's it, yeah, isn't it? Really, actually, you're, everyone's fighting to try and capture what that actor is doing yeah, on the day. Yeah, really, yeah. Um, and I think it's the same as the director's doing as well. We're all just fighting to try and get that performance there. I think right? that's what it's about, isn't it? And that's why I think I love working so much with actors, directors. I think I'd, I've always enjoyed that, and I've always there's always been a, a drive in that. I think to get. I'm not saying that you you switch off, but it's even like every when you do a scene, if you watched. If you just observed, I think boom operators are very good observers, and most boom operators will tell you the same because you you can see. <laughs> you're, 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 I don't wear headphones. I I can I know by the, the distances where everything can be. I can hear well, not so much now. I'm deaf in one ear, can't hear the other. But, um, what happens is you 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 you're a good observer, uh, and you you can watch what's going on in the set. You watch what the people are doing. For for people who are listening, then like uh, at the moment. No, where are you teaching or where, where like... I teach quite a few. I teach uh, uh, here film base. I do some work in film base. Uh, lecture there weekends. I do uh, Pulse. I do a little bit still in Griffith. I'm trying to cut it down a bit. And I do Foster Lee and IADT. So, uh, so I do quite a few of the colleges. And mm. then there's a few people that want to come along and do private, like one-on-ones. But 
but it's it's interesting. I try and bring people out on set. Yeah, let them talk to the sound department if they're interested. I mean, they don't have to be. I'll, I'll show them the whole set to see how everybody works overall. And it, you know, people think, oh, sometimes we're in a panic, and you go and look at. Um, I'll take Red Rock. Can I use that as an example? Even mm-hmm. okay, it might be rip shit and bust thirty minutes of screen time a day, uh, but they're still end up with a reasonably good result. I think for thirteen minutes a day, undoubtedly. And, and what they've got, their limits. They, they're a great, a lovely crew to deal with. I'm so shocked nice at the way they turn around episodes. Yeah, uh, it's I know amazing. The directors were kind of like, it's spectacular and when you look at the final content. Compared to like, and people can criticize, but even compared to stuff that RT yeah. or anything are making, it's right up there, and they are pushing themselves to the absolute maximum. You absolute... don't feel that on screen. I don't. No, think. I, you don't. That's the point. You don't, and that's why I've got to hand it to them. And also, they're a great bunch of guys, you mm. know, guys and girls. I mean, they, they and they put a lot of effort in, and I just think, and it's a, lo- a nice set to go out on, and they're they take on trainees, and, yes, you know, through. Um, I think they're actually they're looking learning. for people now, actually. So for anyone who's kind of interested, like you know, there's nothing like learning there because actually. Oh. The first time I met you, Noah, was actually, it, was, it must be t- over 10 years ago now, but it was, I, it was some film-based course I did. I think it was directed for the screen with Vinnie Murphy, and uh, it was just one of the days you came in to talk about it. And actually, maybe I did a separate one on sound, but I remember that day where you, you brought us out on the streets with booms and everything like that and kind of forced us to confront the realities and actually just talking even about the ballet, almost the dance of the boom <laughs> operator, you know? And it, it, I'd never kind of seen it as kind of a, a, a like a graceful kind of art form before, yeah, no, you know, because you kind I yeah. presume you're just lunged there just it's, holding the boom over but it's not like it, it is as much as I always say it's Alexander Method to stand up straight and Tai Chi when you move the boom <laughs> so it is that sort of move you know as you do it and, and but that fluidity is actually incredibly important though as well because even of how the sound so even if you're slightly off something you don't juddering from one no, person to the other it's you actually don't. Everything a smooth, is smooth. Pace. it's like a camera move it's, yeah. it, it's the same sort of deal as a handheld camera you know you're, 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 you're just doing that ease backwards and forwards yeah and it's just for, for that reason even though like cause I've never recorded sound on a film or anything but I do think whether you're a director even even as a writer actually or any kind of crew things the same way that you trained up you got to try different departments yeah, I recommend exactly. even doing a small even if it's a weekend course something or if you know a sound man or anything even actually spend a little bit of time with them get those headphones on I just think there's so much it will give you so much more confidence on set and a much better appreciation of what you have to work I, with I agree with you entirely I think I only became aware of that because I started lecturing in 75 uh, you know I read lecture for five years primarily and then went back into the industry and, and kept my hand in with lecturing but I used to bring students out on the set but it also made me aware to let other people listen because I never did be up to then mm. and then I'd suddenly go oh do you want to have a little yeah I'd love to chew because I couldn't oh my god you can hear them all I can't believe you can. It's a whole new world in here. You know what I mean. Um, so, you know, it's it's teaching people to be aware. It's you know, and just have a listen of what we hear. What you know, you all think it's we can control everything and turn things down, and you know, we can use radios and we be we can sit back here and mind our own business and not do anything. <laughs> we got to be in there. We've got tables to worry about paper bags. Or what do you want the, the messages to arrive in a paper bag with dialogue? Come on, can we now use a but there's very few directors I know who would be very happy to not look down the lens uh, at some point or some shots or not look through a monitor. And I think it's kind of the same with sound. Like, yeah. you know, if, if you if you value that, you're kind of going, well, how could I let the cameraman film all, all day long without me ever seeing what they're filming? Yeah, exactly. It's the exact exactly. same with your sound It's department. exactly the same thing. Listen, and I think we, we'll try and encourage directors to use headphones uh, as much as it is possible, just so you know what. It's it's just to, and also the other thing too, is that it brings you closer to, the, to, to performance in a way because it's bringing the voice up here yeah. so sometimes what happens is certainly i found in the past where it hasn't worked yeah uh, and it, it, when you stand back a bit 
you, there's so many other things that's distracting you that you think it is working, but then put on the headphones and you feel it's a bit flat, isn't it? it doesn't, it's not working. But see, that's you. what you're capturing. It's not what you're hearing in the room with your ears. That, yeah. It's what's there. Yeah. And I think that's an important yeah. thing. And there's nothing, we're not doing anything unusual. We're just recording as it is. Yeah. We're up close. We brought everything closer than it is. Well, it's the same way a scene can look very funny if you're just standing looking at 10 people acting, but if you look through the lens, it may not be funny. You know yeah. what I mean? It, yeah, so, that's the other side of it. You know, point, you just realize it? that this is, I'm only capturing this moment of reality not because our, our brains and eyes are incredible at pulling in all this information but the camera and the sound are not capturing not, all that they're yeah. more focused and that's they're, a great thing as well you just have to learn to work with I it. think yeah yeah and I think you've got to understand it and know it don't you you've yeah. got to know and know and know how you're going to put it together yeah uh, the other thing too is that at times uh, any background noise that might jump up like school kids get out or something it's just one of those things we've gone longer than we should have in this location we can't take the kids away for 10 minutes or we have to wait 10 minutes we haven't got time it's for us that it's far enough away check with the director you happy with this in the background yeah I wouldn't mind we'll do a quick ambience of it as long as they're not up in your face they're down yeah, there actually, that's another but one, it like is a distraction if we try to letting your sound people get Atmos tracks yeah oh listen Jude, there's no because I know we have to wrap this up in a minute, but like, that is just I can't tell you how important that is that is not an inconvenience that is just the most and even if it's a sound that you think we're probably not going to use that take or anything yeah. like that without it you can find yourself afterwards looking saying oh it's a great take and I can't do anything with it. Yeah. You know? So now, yeah. I, I think, yeah, exactly. It's so many times. And we don't ask just for the sake of asking. We're asking because we know the world. And most times, it only, again, Atmos, it very rarely takes that long. Unless you have a massive amount of scene you need to be covering. Like, you know, you're talking a minute or two That's of just quiet. This is not... We even say 30 seconds yeah. when we get a minute. <laughs> and even then, people are going, what? Yeah. Or the other one is, the, uh, uh, can you still hear the plane? Can you still hear the plane? Can you st-? And you're going, can you hear it with your ears? Yeah, well, <laughs> I can still hear it. The mic has no brain. The other thing I find really quite humorous, I just mentioned that as well, you, you get used to writing notes. Mm. Director informed, director told, director whatever. We, you know, you get to a certain point. And then I used to record a lot of mine. So, and then I could end up, it could have been a couple of the films I'd end up track playing. <laughs> a director be saying, what the f- you know they get to track laying and go what happened here I mean what's that with sound go look at this look at all this background you're saying it's on the sheet I never said that well hang on I'll just play back while I go <laughs> <laughs> or some of them come out the next day who is it Joel Schumacher came out on um, Veronica I remember <laughs> to Kiwi and myself Kiwi was we were partners in it <laughs> He comes out. He said, "I read your sheets last night. You guys, for Christ's sake, you really slayed me, didn't you?" <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It was a laugh. Yeah. But I understand as well the fact that we, you know, we were. You get sometimes a bit frustrated sometimes because you feel well, we're nearly there. Mm. But then you know, we have you have to accept at the time. There's other pressure sometimes, and you know, we get to a stage where if there is a problem and it continues and there's lots of dialogue to be, we'll go to the producer. If a producer he or she says, "Mark gets what he wants." Well, we're out, yeah. you know, and we have to buy that, you know, that because you've got a talent and, and it's going to work no matter what way it is. Okay, so uh, so we have to buy it. Or, where is it? I need to talk to him now. That's the other side of the coin. Yeah. So, so that's as far as we will take it. But there's nothing malicious in it. All we're trying to do is make a good end result for you. Um, but sometimes with the pressures that are on, you're thinking, I'd be lucky to just about get this on camera, never mind. For you and that's the stress, else. yeah. And I, I do think that that's the take home from all of this stuff, it's sound, it's the same as all other departments. Like, you know, if you say nothing, you're not part of the conversation and you're better off being there. And if the director or whoever, producer, first AD decides to overrule that, that's fine. But yeah, it, exactly. part of your job is to actually say that. And also to understand that sometimes, whether it's camera or sound people, if they're annoying you or you feel that they're annoying you, <laughs> understand that actually 
that is really why they're doing it. It's very rare I've actually met someone who is maliciously doing that just because they're a bollocks. Yeah. You know I what I mean? Two things I learned in the industry. Never, ever take anything personally on the set. And time is money. <laughs> and on that beautiful note, Noel Quinn, can I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today? I think it's going to be really great for people to hear and... I'm sure there is probably, you know, ways of contacting you out there if anyone else wanted to. They can. And, and uh, you know, you can count me through if you're on base. If, if you need to, the people will have mine. And I'm quite happy for you to have my email. I mean, unless you want it. Yeah, no, no. Well, like, I, I'm sure, like, through film base, they can do whatever you can get on yeah. those things. But it's just, you know, uh, don't be afraid to, if, now don't just, like, not for this, the sake of having a chat, but don't be afraid to reach out because I've been amazed at how much that has helped working on different projects, there's always a tendency, oh, I wouldn't want to bother anything. If you're serious about what you're doing and you're not half-arsing it, there are so many people out there with so much experience who are actually willing to at least offer you advice. They might be able to work on your film, but they can point you in the right direction. And if you don't send that email or try, you know, you have no idea. Exactly. And, and you know, they will, you know, even if you want to buy them a cup of coffee, you know, yeah. <laughs> and have sit down for an hour, you'd be surprised. But it could save your film, that. especially if you're uh, like on your first couple of short films or anything like that. Like these guys can teach you things that will mean your film will actually come out and be usable and they could save you so much hassle because you were going to kill yourself making those films. You may as well make sure you've got the best advice. Noel, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Mark. Cheers.